Episode 49 of Fitness Behaviour with Bevan James Isles. What's your story? Righto, team, welcome along to episode 49 of Fitness Behaviour of Bevan James Owls, your monthly podcast on the behaviours that create a lifetime love of fitness and all the benefits that come alongside it. I'm just going to lower my chair a little bit, you might hear it. You hear that? <laughs> I'm, uh, I'm in my office right now and my chair's always a little bit higher for my mic and so I thought I'd just drop it down a little bit. Welcome along to this month's show guys, I've got some big announcements that I'm going to announce at the end of today's show just about where we're going with the show moving forward. At the end of last year I kind of talked a little bit about how I wanted to make some shifts to this show and uh, and maybe how you can support me in doing that and uh, we'll talk about that later on in today's show. Uh, today's show is, uh, yeah we'll see how it goes. Before we get into today's show there's kind of... A couple of things I'd like to talk about. I, I've just released a blog piece today. If you go to my, if you go to my website, bevanjamesos.com, uh, I put up a piece pretty much every week. Um, and uh, yeah, I just kind of, if you, if, you, if you enjoy this show, you'll probably enjoy my writing and you'll probably see lots of common themes going across both this show and, uh, and what I write about as well. Um, but I wrote a post about a lady called Celia Lashley. Lashley, I think it is. Now, Celia Lashley is quite a famous author in New Zealand. And admittedly, um, I can't say I knew a huge amount about her until recently. Uh, she wrote a book called He'll Be Okay. And He'll Be Okay is a book that that really addresses the issues of, of boys in society in New Zealand and how boys are being kind of neglected in uh in how we support them and uh and admittedly i haven't actually read this book um but apparently it was a very good book for if you've got a teenage boy it's a really important book to read because it addresses you know that how boys tend to be suppressed um tend to don't have many outlets um and and how parents kind of just allow that to happen and uh celia wrote this book and it was a very influential book. Her history is that she worked with a lot of prisoners in jails and stuff like that as well. So she was someone who, who was one of those people who had a, a commitment to life to kind of helping the downtrodden. And she, um, again, in New Zealand, did amazing, amazing work. And, and uh, you know what, I've got her book on my to-do list of books to read because I really want to read that one. And she also worked a lot with women as well. So she's done a lot of work within her career. And unfortunately, Celia got um, cancer about 18 months ago, which you know, led to her death around about two or three weeks ago. And uh, it was big news in New Zealand. Like if you listen to the radio or if you watched the news that night and all the kind of the, the current affairs programs had pieces on her. And, um, and, and admittedly, I didn't, I didn't put two and two together. So I didn't actually understand that she was the person who wrote the book because I kind of just heard it on the radio and didn't think much of it. But a fascinating thing happened the, the the few days after she died. And the fascinating thing that happened was I got about, I can't remember the exact number of emails, but like 10 emails from people sending me a link to the last blog post that she wrote before she died. And... um you know, like it. You know, you you'll get, you you tend to get those people in your life who like to pass on good information to you. I like got a friend called Robbie and my mate Sean, and and they they always will send me really good articles. And you know, you get those people, and I really like it because they'll kind of open you up to different types of thinking or different articles that you maybe wouldn't have seen without their kind of sharing it through. And so you kind of get those. And and within my week, I probably get you know one or two of those people sending those types of you know different articles through to me. Well, literally within two days, I think I got 10 different people. And these weren't people who would normally send me these types of messages, a link to her blog post. And it was a real powerful blog post, especially the fact that you know that Celia had died. Um, I'm going to read it to you now. I'll put a link to it in the show notes as well, but I'm going to read it to you as well because it's it's a really important message that I think a lot of us can go. So the, the blog post was called... When we talk, oh, sorry, when we walk to the edge of the light, that was the title of the blog post. And again, it's by Celia Lashley. And I'll put a link to her website, celialashley.co.nz, in the show notes. Here we go. 
The seductive nature of the modern world always allows us human beings to believe that we are in charge. In today's world, we think we are in charge. Technological advances and intellectual knowledge we continue to acclaim leaves us with a sense that we are in control and there is enough time to achieve what it is when we want to achieve it. We become complacent about our need to take care of ourselves. Always something more to do. Some of this is driven by our desire to save the world. Others driven by the desire that we have to reach as many goals as we have set for ourselves. Many of them are superficial. The simple reality is that we are not in charge and that moment of realisation comes to us when we learn of the fragility of the human spirit. For some, that lesson comes unexpectedly and hard. Late last year, I slowly became unwell. The stresses of the lifestyle I was living, the demands I made on myself, the demands other people made of me and expected to meet became too great and as 2014 closed, I was diagnosed with pancreatic cancer that had spread to my liver. No treatment, no cure, only palliative care. I'd waited too long to look after myself and my body broke. To say that it was and it is a shock is a major understatement. And as I look at the amazing family and group of friends I've surrounded with, as I now travel a different journey warms my heart. At the same time, there are feelings of trepidations about what lies ahead. I'm now focused on the moment of magic that are appearing in front of me, the laughter of my grandchildren, a smile of a friend attempting to walk this journey with me, and the pure beauty and strength of my adult children as they battle their anger, grief, and sadness at what is happening to their beloved mother. It's time to leave the work to others. My wish is that others will learn to stop before I did, to take into account the limitations of their physical bodies, and to take time to listen to the yearnings of their soul. It is in the taking of care of themselves we learn the ability to take care of others. When we walk on the edge of all the light, you have to take that first step into the darkness of the unknown. You must believe one of two things will happen. There will be something solid for you to stand on, or you will be taught to fly. Faith by Patrick Overton, The Learning Tree. There's a quote at the end there. Now it's by Celia. Ashley. That, that's a pretty powerful message, uh, you know, like I, I often, you know, you have these moments in your life and obviously she wrote this as she was leading into this last part of her, her obviously her tragic disease and uh, and sadly she has now passed away but I always, I find these moments in people's lives when you know that this is my last message. I know there's a, there's a I've probably talked about this before on the show, I think I have, about Johnny Cash's last music video um, and it's a song called Hurt, and I don't know if you've ever seen it, but it's a it's a powerful song, and it's a powerful song because you listen to the words of the song. He didn't write the words, it's by a guy called Trent Reznor, who is Nine Inch Nails, but Johnny Cash covered the song, and then the music video, and, and it's very raw and honest, and it shows this very old man, and they released the song after his death, and... Um, it was one of those powerful moments and, and I often wonder, you know, these people who have an influence over what their last message will be, I'm always fascinated to see what theirs is and when you have a person like Celia who, let's be honest, has, has was just one of those people who seemed to give everything to her world throughout her life and helping the world and, and actually achieved a lot in helping people achieve that, um, I find it really fascinating that her message or the lesson that she wants to leave us was, was you've got to take care of yourself first. You've got to take care of yourself first. You know, and she ultimately is saying here that the cost of her not doing this cost her health, cost her, you know, maybe life and, and you know, and, and the people around her, you know, the loss of her life. And she she obviously got caught up in a world where it was always about helping others and doing other things for others. And as she says in her piece here, many of the times these were superficial things that she was was aiming for or, or chasing. And that came at the neglect of her health. I want you to think about yourself right now. When you look at yourself, where do you put yourself? 
where do you put your your health, your well-being, your your physical health, your your mental health? Where do you put that on the list of priorities in your life? Really, where do you put it? Like that, it's one I'm always interested in. Where is the evidence of where I put that? Like, where's the evidence of where I put in my life? Because you see the people who, like, I remember once I went to. I was with a friend, and, and it's it's oh, it's always interesting when you represent yourself to the world, isn't it? You know, there's that great Chris Rock comedy bit where he's talking about how, uh, you know, we're kind of lying. We're a sales rep when we're trying to meet, when we're single, when we're trying to meet somebody new, and it's it's a very funny bit, and he's kind of just kind of taking the, the laughs, the funny side of, you know, that you're not really the person you represent yourself to the world of when you're a single person and you're trying to you know market yourself to the opposite sex or, or someone you're attracted to. And uh, and it's a funny bit, and, and um, it's funny when you've got a really good friend. I don't know if you've had this experience. Let's say you go out for a really good mate of yours, and you're at a party or something, and they're just talking about their lives, and and you have an insight into this person that is different to what they're representing to the world outside them at that party. They might be introducing themselves to a new person, and so they're representing themselves in a way which you know we all do, in a way that is you know putting their best foot forward. But at the same time, because you have that deep understanding of that person and knowledge and experience with that person, you know that you know it's it's not entirely true. You know, there's probably some little bit of stretching of the of the truth there to make themselves look better. And again, this is something most of us do. So it's not that you're that critical of them, but it's it's an interesting is that is what they're displaying to the world true evidence of what they really are. And as we think back to that that question of where do you put yourself? around your health and your mental well-being, if you look at the evidence of, of what you do in this area, where do you put it? It's a, it's a really interesting question to explore because if, like, if we look at someone like Celia, who's in some ways is the worst case example of this is that she figured it out too late. Ultimately, she figured it out too late. I, I don't know exact age of her. She was an older woman, but I don't think she was old, old. Um, ultimately, I think in this by by reading her message here, she would have wished she could have spent more time with her grandchildren, build more time with her kids, had you know been more of that stuff in her world. But that got neglected as she moved through her you know these other things that she was doing. I, I suppose then the next question is is. How are you doing on that front? So again, if we go back to that evidence thing, are you the mother who thinks you need to come last behind the family? Are you the the person who works too hard for your career and neglects your health? Are you someone who gives everything to everyone else at the cost of yourself? Now there's kind of two levels I'd like to explore with this. I think there's there's the ultimate you know, we don't want to go down that really bad path of where you you wake up one day and you've got a disease which you, you know, that you regret or, or, or that you could have influenced earlier but through lifestyle choices. Uh, and, and then there's the old, how do you be a highest performer? And I've probably talked about this on the show in the past, you know, like I, I, I do cover topics at time over and over again, but I, I fundamentally believe that I perform higher as a person when I look after myself first. Fundamentally believe that my experience of life in this world has taught me that if I prioritize in my day these these little things that are about looking after my physical and mental health, I actually function better. So, for example, if I meditate during the day, I will get eight hours of productive work done, and that eight hours of productive work will be solid productive work. If I don't meditate in a day, I might work for eight hours. But it's actually probably only five or six hours of quality work because my mind gets to mush in the last part of the day. So this 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 tool of mentally um, recharging, of, of of loading, of meditating, that, that tool there actually helps me become a higher performer. And really, if we go back to to Celia's message, messages, I'm going to read it. My wish is that others will learn to stop before I did, to take into account the limitation of their physical bodies and to take the time to listen to the yearning of their soul. It is in the taking of care of ourselves that we learn the ability to take care of others. 
So I suppose like this isn't even today's show. <laughs> I'm just kind of I'm just kind of going on a tangent here. How you doing? How you doing? You looking after yourself? Are you really looking after yourself? Or are you sitting in that place where there's this this constant guilt that you know you should be doing this kind of stuff for yourself, but it never happens? I'm going to share an experience. I've got a new client recently who is an extremely hard worker. They are in a position which demands... Uh, you, you you think of you know a extremely hard per role in any kind of career where this person sits in that role and they take lots of responsibility and they work really hard in this you know they are they're in that career where there's no time for self and I've started working with them and and it really confronted me because I had the first session with them I was doing a, you know doing the mentoring work I do and um they know they wanted to change. They know that the path they're on is leading down a really dangerous path that's because of the neglect they're doing to their own mental and physical health. And But they're in this position where they, they, you know, they can't really change. And I had the first session with them. And, uh, and all I, not all I experienced, but a lot of the things I experienced was resistance to change. That while the reason they had invested time, money and energy in coming to see me and that, that was driven by the fact that they knew they should change. Actually, they didn't have the trigger to change. They hadn't found the motivation to change. And, and I did this first session. And, you know, like my, my job, my, my mentoring work is so rewarding because you see people progress so much. And, I um, you know, and, and, and you know, so I come off these sessions and you'll, you'll sit down later on day and you'll think about, you know, the progress you've made with this person. And, and, and like, I, I have to admit, I get a bit of an emotional charge from it. It's really rewarding. And as I was sitting there with this after this session, I was I I, I, I hadn't helped this person. Like I, I, you know, when I'd try to support them towards ideas around things they could do to implement into their life, I felt resistance. And um, and and it was a, a really like I was kind of thought, man, I'm not sure I'm, I'm struggling with this person, and. Uh, and, you know, I was doubting my own ability. And, and for the next week, you know, normally I'll spend time with clients and then throughout the week I'll keep in contact and I'll just kind of occasionally think of them and just think of where they're at and think of things that we can do to improve where they're trying to move towards. Well, this person seriously consumed me for the next week. Like the next week I was just thinking, how, you know, do I just tell this person that actually I'm not the right person to work with because I'm not sure if I can be the person? And after me working through these thoughts in my head, ultimately what I came to the conclusion was that I can only help this person if I can help them find the motivation to change. That the practical tools that this person will use which this person is hugely intelligent so it's not that the tools are the hardest thing the thing that we had to find was the motivation, the real charge that would get this person to actually start to put themselves in front of everything else that took them to this place where they didn't like in their life. And it's starting to work. In the session with this person, I I, I, I challenged them hard. I, like I, I had some really hard questions that they had to confront. I, I, I definitely, you know, I dig deep to help them find the motivation for the change. Now, we're not there. There's, there's plenty of work for this person to be done as they move forward, but it was it's definitely, as I've communicated with this person throughout the week, there's been a shift in the resistance that I had experienced in the past. So as you're sitting there listening to today's show, and, and and hopefully you've done the self-assessment on, am I looking after myself? Am I, am I physically and mentally prioritizing myself in my day, in my week, in my life? If you know that deep down you're not, and if we go, if we go back to the idea of evidence that shows me that I'm not, then I think the first thing you need to start working on is how do I find the motivation to actually do this because until you find the motivation nothing is ever going to change let's think of the smoker you know we've all heard the story of the smoker who smoked their whole life and you know while they ultimately probably didn't want to smoke 
they were quite happy to go on smoking and, and they may have tried to give up a few times and lost that battle and in the end it's just that thing they lose. And then they go to the doctor and the doctor tells him, you're going to die if you don't smoke. And then it's almost like instantly smoking is dead to them. They've found the motivation, that, that charge that made them sh- you know, shift that behaviour. And you know, that's, that's the place we don't want to get to. We don't want to get to, get to that place where six months down the piece, you're like, oh man, I, you know, or, or you know, years down the piece, you regret that you hadn't made that choice earlier. But really, if you are someone who's sitting here and you listen to this kind of thought pattern that I'm going through here of, I'm not looking after myself. I know I should. But how do I? I wouldn't even worry about the how yet. I would really try to explore what's my motivation. Ask yourself some really hard questions. Really explore that thing. Because then, if you can find the motivation, the charge will come really easily. So I suppose just to wrap up this first segment of the show, which is the introduction, <laughs> I have already done the main piece. I might, might kind of check if I keep it short today. Uh, if we if we look at the the main gist of today's show, this this section here is, what can you learn from Celia's message? When you think of that line, it's in the taking care of ourselves we learned the ability to take care of others, and you reflect on that around how are you looking after yourself? How well are you doing? What's the evidence show of you doing this? Now, if you're doing well, we'll keep it up. And, and you know, there's the two levels I talked about. It's, you know, well, prevention of bad things happening, but also that actually when you look after yourself first, you, I've, I've, my experience has taught me I become a higher performer in the things I do. If you know you are the person who ultimately is neglecting your health and mental and physical and it's way down that list, how do you find your motivation how can you find that the trigger that's going to make the change that you need to make easier when you start to put yourself first? And ultimately, I suppose the real question is, do you think your life would be better if you were doing those things? So there you go. There's some, there's some thoughts. Um, I've, got, I've got a question I'm going to answer at the end of today's show. Um, and I've also got to kind of let you know where I'm thinking about taking the show ongoing. And uh, so I'm going to get into the main gist of today's show. And I know I've already done 21 minutes, haven't even start, touched the main gist. So um, I'll, I'll probably try to keep it kind of short because I know you guys are busy. You know, you don't want to hear me all the time. So uh, here we go. I'm going to put some music on and let's get into it. I um I had a couple goals this year. You know, one I think I talked in last month's show how one of my goals this year was to become a better thinker, uh, which is a it's kind of a, an interesting goal to go. Like, how do I become a better thinker? And um, uh, you know, self assessment and uh, um, maybe putting some processes. Like, one thing I'm trying to do is uh, uh, how do I become a master of my daily chores? So little things like how do I become a master of when I'm making lunch? It's just kind of fun games I'm playing with myself as I, I work through this year and trying to kind of evolve as a thinker, uh, ultimately as the goal, I suppose. And uh, one of the goals that I've kind of, to be honest, is I sit down to kind of develop myself over the last few years, but um, this has always been something that's popped up, but I never really got around to doing. And uh, one of my goals as I sat down at the beginning of this year was to include a different style of meditation than what I currently do. So Currently, I do a um, full meditation. Uh, sorry, meditation called TM or Transcendental Meditation, and it's um, I learned it far out nearly twenty years ago. I've done it pretty much every day for twenty years. Um, I feel I just know how that world works. So I, I can sit down, I can meditate, I can go to a very deep place very quickly. You know, I'm kind of very competent in this area, and I kind of thought it'd be kind of cool to explore a new form of meditation. So. I um I was talking to one of my clients actually and, and uh, they told me about a meditation app called Headspace and Headspace is actually a really well put together app. Um, a guy called Andy, I think he's from the UK, he seems to have a UK accent, he's put the app together and um it, you know and it takes you through guided meditations basically and you can choose to do 10, 15, 20 minutes and daily. And um I think I you know, you could give the first 15 days free and I think it cost me a hundred bucks for the year after that. And um, the, the, the type of meditation, so the meditation, the, the team type of meditation is what we'll call a mantra meditation. So the meditation is 
very much um, a repeating of a mantra. And you just repeat it over and over again. And again, the better you get, the more you kind of get the gains of doing that. Well, mindfulness meditation is a type of meditation that Andy is promoting in Headspace. And mindfulness meditation is different to mantra meditation in that mantra is very much, you go into a mantra and you almost lose yourself into your subconscious as you go into your mantra and the better you get at doing it. Well, mindfulness is more about being... Now, I'm no expert on mindfulness, but I'm just kind of putting this in some context which will make sense. It's very much just about trying to live more in the moment. So the experience of, um, you know, in the mindfulness meditation, they'll take you through a lot of breathing exercises and it's it's almost trying to remove any outside thought or um, or, or future thinking or, or yesterday's thinking and stuff like that. And it's really much just allowing you just to sit in the moment of what you're experiencing in your life right now and creating awareness around that. And one of the ideas that seems to come through from the mindfulness meditation is that that's ultimately what we should be aiming for in life is that how can I sit more in this moment in my life right now? I'm sure a lot of you guys would have heard of Eckhart Tolle. Uh, he wrote the book, The New Earth, which I read over Christmas time. I read it a few years ago, but I reread it over Christmas time. And that's one of his real big messages is, is that whole concept of how do we live in the now and just experience what the world has to offer in this moment? And it's a bit of a skill, especially if you've got a busy mind that thinks a lot about the future and a lot about the past. And so this this skill of mindfulness meditation is something that tends to help you learn how to do that. Now, if I do my comparison to when I was doing my TM, TM, I sit down on the couch and I go deep straight away. With mindfulness, I still at that kind of very incompetent level. So I'm kind of getting better at it, but I'm still not great at it. But the one thing that then, you know, if we start to think about this mindfulness, this whole concept of being able to live in the moment. Then we start to think about athletic performance. And if I start to cross this this kind of concept of living in the moment to athletic performance, one thing that athletes always want to be developing in themselves is the ability to make the best decision right in the moment based on the information you have in front of you. Like really, that's that's always the goal of every athlete. Now, different sports, different movements, different exercises require different answers to those questions. But ultimately, really what we should be trying to focus on when we're an athlete is the ability to, what's, what, what's the situation in front of me right now? And what's the best decision that I can make? Now, that's actually a, a very hard skill to develop. And you can kind of see that um, if I did mindfulness meditation, that maybe there'd be a crossover into my athletic ability. If I can learn to train my mind to be able to live more in the moment, that then I would be able to make a better decision around, you know, being in the moment and uh, um, be able to make better decisions around that. I'm kind of getting off track with my own thoughts in my head right now. I'm obviously not in the moment. Um, but but that's, you know, that's ultimately what an athlete wants to be able to do. And then, you know, if they can make that best decision, then the percentage rate of them doing better in their sport increases massively. Now, one thing, so, so think about yourself in this way and think about this yourself when you're exercising. And you, if you think about this idea of, um, ex- let's say exercising or making healthy choices so around nutrition around exercise around skill development around anything that you do is around keeping your health in a good place <clears throat> are you very good at just being in the moment and then making the best decision in that moment based on the information that you have in front of you are you very good at that now one thing a lot of people do is they create stories. A classic example I can think of from my own life. I know this this, this example may not sit that well, but l- let me see if it does. Uh, I um like all everyone. I, I have a couple iPhone games, or well, not like everyone, but like a lot of people. I have some iPhone games I like to play. I I play Yahtzee every lunchtime. So I eat my lunch, and I I have two chocolate biscuits at lunch. And I love my chocolate biscuits, so I kind of prolong the eating of them. I, I suck the crap out of my chocolate biscuits. And um, <clears throat> while I'm doing that, I'll, uh, I'll play Yahtzee. And I play for about 10 minutes each day. And then I have a game that I play when I'm like waiting in queue. So I have a game, uh, a cricket game. It's called, uh, uh, what's it called? Uh, I don't know, some kind of cricket game. Stick cricket, there you go, stick cricket. 
And um, it's funny when I'm playing stick cricket because I'll be playing this game. I might be standing in the queue at the bank or, or just somewhere and I would play a game of stick cricket. But what's happening in my head as I'm playing this game is I'm like a commentator, like a real cricket game. So it's like I'm watching TV and while I'm making these decisions in the game, <clears throat> I'm, I'm telling the story to myself as I'm playing the game. Now that's an example of as I'm having this experience, I'm telling the story, and I'll and there'll be this like it's literally like watching a TV show. I'm not saying it out loud, otherwise people would think I'm really weird. But in the game, when I'm playing the game in my head internally, that's what I'm experiencing. And if we go back to some of this kind of spiritual teaching and stuff like that, often when we're exercising, that's what we're doing as well. We're telling stories that are either working for us or against us, but that are ultimately taking us away from the objective of, am I making the best decision right now based on the information I have and that will give me the best outcome I should be desired for? And so I'll I'll think of myself, one thing I I know about myself as an athlete is I'm very much an an egoic athlete, uh, if if you know what I mean. So I'm very much in my ego when when I'm training. And it's something I became aware of very early on in my career. I'm very much justifying myself when I'm exercising. I'm very much um, rewarding myself. Or if I'm going poorly, that can go to a negative. Um, I can, although I'm not, I'm not the kind of athlete who beats myself up. I'll tend to justify why I haven't done well, giving myself weak excuses. So I'm not someone who tends to go, "Bevan, you, you're shit." As such, I'll, I'll, oh, you know. I don't train as much as that person or I don't. So I look for these kind of weak excuses that allow me to be not as good as what I potentially could be. So if we think about my experience, what's what's your experience of when you exercise? What's the story that you're telling yourself as you are exercising? Or even when you're making nutrition, when you're preparing your food, what are the stories that you're telling yourself Are you spending time justifying the bad things about you? Are you overinflating yourself? Are you being distracted by things that actually aren't helping your performance? Now with this in mind, ultimately what we should be trying to do is to train ourselves to get to that place where our mind is 100% focused on us doing the right thing in this moment based on on what we have around us. And I know that as an athlete, one thing I do now is I, I set an affirmation in my head. So let's say I'm doing a running race. I have an affirmation in my head, which is just that question. What is the best decision I can make right now to give myself the best outcome? Like I've done running races where I would have said that, that, that affirmation over a thousand times, just continuously asking myself that question. What's the best decision I can make right now? It's going to give me the best outcome. So, so I'm trying to keep it short today because I don't want to go too long in today's show. But, but ultimately, what's the story you're creating around your experiences? Again, I, I, I'll talk about exercise today. What's the story when you when you go towards exercise? What's the story you're going towards? Like it's interesting. I'm, I've got back into the weights room recently. Um, my body's struggled in the last few years. I can't deny it. I've I, I tend to get niggles a lot more and, and some people will say it's age I don't actually think it's age I'm only 37 my body's got a lot more hard work in front of it over the years in front of me and my problem is is that I I tend to I don't train as much as I used to and then when I try to train I try to train like I used to and so fundamentally what I need to do is spend a bit more time doing some foundation work and I've neglected strength work in the last few years and I think that's one of the causes of my injuries and so I've, I've started to get back I've made a commitment this year to get back into the weights room and just have consistency around this now when it comes to cardiovascular exercise I can destroy myself as good as anybody I, I'm, I've done it for years put me in a cardio environment and I just know that deeper place and I love going there now, when I was a young man with strength exercise, I was very much like that as well. Like I started my exercise journey in the weights room, so and I used to have this personal trainer destroy me, and and I had a really strong mental game. Whereas nowadays, because I've been away from the weights room for probably you know with consistency for probably a good ten years, 
I'm just not that mentally strong. And also I'm not as physically strong as what I used to be. So as I'm getting back into it, um, you know, there is this slow development that I'm trying to develop. But I've also noticed that I give up a lot easier than what I would if I was in the cardiovascular world. And I've started to become aware of what's the story I go into the weights room with that allows me to go to that place where I actually give up too early. Now, I'm not giving up based on my ability, like my ability needs to be developed, but I'm actually giving up too early. And what I've discovered is that my story as I go into the rates room is almost reinforcing that I'm not what I used to be, that I need time to develop, that when it gets a little bit hard, that's okay because, you know, I'm, I'm early on in my journey. The story I go into my rates room with, and then once I don't make that hard choice, my story then justifies why it's okay for me to make that choice. So I'm spending this massive amount of my energy on this story, which is actually limiting me. Now, sure, you may look and you may say, well, actually, you know, I am trying to develop myself and I don't want to push too hard as I move forward. And there's definitely truth to that. But I know if I was 100% honest to you that I'm not going to the level that I could be and should be going right now. So if one of my biggest limiters as I think about that is what is my story, my ego experience as I move through this, this, this experience of doing weights, well, then I can start to become aware of how that's a limiter for me while I'm in the experience. And then what I want to do is I then want to insert that concept of what's the best decision I can make right now that's going to give me the best chance of getting the results I desire. Now, this is something I'm practicing in myself. I can't say I've mastered it yet, but it's something I'm working on within myself. And like all things you'll hear me say this over and over again is that awareness is your first point of call. And that's we're doing something like a mindfulness meditation. I'm learning that as I go into the weights room, oh, okay, these thoughts are popping up. So because these thoughts are popping up, I now want to you know, reject those thoughts and insert the healthier thought of how do I move towards this. Now, if I can do this, I'm going to achieve much better results in the desire, you know, in the workout I'm going to do. I'm also going to get a lot more satisfaction because that's one of the things I've struggled with in the weights room and, you know, when I have kind of half-heartedly tried over the last few years is that I don't find it that satisfying. But I don't find it that satisfying because I'm not pushing myself. Whereas cardiovascular exercise, I push myself so hard, it's always really rewarding. But because I go into it with a story of, you know, that, that limits me, I'm never going to get the satisfaction. But for example, the other day I went to the rates room and I'd already taught two classes at the gym, so I was already kind of tired. And I did have a story that I could kind of justify tired, you know, big weekend and the rest of it. But actually I know, no, that's not going to help. What's, how do I get to this place? And I'd set some targets for myself and I managed to have a really good session. I walked out of the rates room feeling really good and feeling like I loved weights again. And that was ultimately happened because I could see my story and then I could become like that great athlete who was just making the best decision right now that could help me get the best outcome. So, as you think about developing yourself in this area, you know, maybe you could do some mindfulness meditation. I'll put a link to the app. Um, it's called Headspace. I'll put a link to the app on the show notes for today's show. Um, and you can you can go on and download it yourself and practice it. It's, it's very easy. It's guided. I do wonder if maybe there's a downfall of it that doesn't make you very independent, um, that you do become reliant on the app. And I do think there's probably needs to be a moment where you step away from the app. But for someone who's never meditated, it's a good place to start. Um, and then what you're really trying to learn is, is what are my stories? And then how do I stop those stories and then inject the right kind of thinking as, as in what do I need to do to give myself the best chance of doing where I want now. Now this is a skill that you can transfer into other areas of your life. As you prepare your lunch, what's your story? As you um, as you sit down to work, what's your story? And then how do I shift towards just becoming more present in the moment and making the best decision possible? Now ultimately if you become great at this, I really believe you'll become that closest step to that better version of yourself. Right, I think that's uh, pretty much today's show. It's not really. I've got a couple of things I want to do. Um, I kind of tried to rush that a little bit. I hopefully, it kind of 
I, I kind of went so long on my introduction. I didn't want to go too long. We're already four minute, 40 minutes into the show. So just some food for thought there. You know, what is your story? Is it actually a limiter? And if it is, and ultimately it is, because either story, positive or negative, is still taking me away from making the best decision right now. And it's something that we really want to be able to do. Is, is There's a cricket player in New Zealand right now, a guy called Shane Williamson, uh, who, who those in the know now I'm, I'm a fan of cricket but I'm not much I don't have much knowledge about the sport like I, I have enough to watch it and enjoy it but I don't have much depth in the knowledge of the sport but everyone in the sport are saying that this guy will go down as New Zealand's best cricketer of all time and uh, in his career in the last few years he's, he's, he's definitely proven to be one of the world's best batsmen that there is in the world right now and um, he's just he's just this character who's just has this amazing ability. Hopefully, maybe I'll try to get him on the show one day. Um, but he has this amazing ability to not feel pressure. This is, for example, there was a cricket game against Australia last weekend, and it will go down as New Zealand's one of New Zealand's best games of sport ever. It was just when you think of great sport, you think of emotion, roller coaster, you know, all this kind of stuff. Um, this this game had it. It was just a great game of sport, and Kane Williamson was in a position where he really kind of had to get a six, six, you know, in a situation where it was kind of like last ball, you know, he, he had to he had to deliver, you know, one of the hardest shots in the game. And he just did it. He just delivered. And this player has this amazing ability to be able to just always deliver. And I heard someone talking about him the other day, I can't remember who it was, but someone who was quite close to him. And they said, the thing about Kane as a player is, he has this amazing ability to be able to make decisions just based on the bowl that he's seeing in front of him right there and then. That he doesn't get caught up on the emotion of the moment, he doesn't get caught up what's happening around him, he doesn't get caught up with you know what happened before or, or things he's trying to chase or anything like that. He can just put his mind in a place where as that bowl is coming towards him, he's just assessing what's the best decision I can make right now. And for that reason, his mental game is such an impressive thing to play. Now, don't get me wrong, his skill set is phenomenal as well. Like, he's a a great player. But there's many great players in sport who have the skill set of a guy like Kane Williamson who never perform at the level he does. And it seems to be one of the factors that make him such a great player is this ability to shut off to all the stories inside his head and just be mindful in that moment and then to make the decision based on that. And it's just a, it's just it just reinforces this kind of concept I've introduced today in today's show. So, I, I think this is you know if, if I talk about my goal of improving my thinking skills this year, well, this is definitely something I'm working on within myself. And if you know this has really touched a chord with you, that actually maybe just as you kind of go through your everyday activities, your exercise, your your work, what are the stories, and how is that removing me from being the person who can make more mindful decisions in the moment? There you go. I got an email through. I got a few emails through. But I'm going to answer this one here. Uh, the name's spelt, spelt funny. I'm going to... Siobhan. Siobhan. I, well, sometimes I get my computer to, to, to say words or names that I can't pronounce. So uh, Siobhan sent me through an email. She's got... I'm a huge fan of your podcast. I find it incredibly inspiring. And she had a question for me. She goes, um, when does one transition from being a fit person to being an athlete? I cycle for transport and do around 60 minutes of exercise six days a week, but I wouldn't consider myself an athlete. How and when do I become one? This is a really interesting question, isn't it? Because um, I know people who are extremely fit, and you often see this in the gym world. You see people who, who work at a gym, and you know these people, like if you look at a group fitness instructor, so you go to a place like Australia, they'll be teaching 20 classes a week, 25 classes a week. Well, that's that's a full-time exerciser. Um, are they athletes? Hmm, that's a really hard question. Now, what you do find is that when those people go to athletic events, then they often perform really well, better than what a lot of athletes would think they do. So this is this is one of those questions that's kind of in that murky water. And if anything, I can't, you know, it's very much just my opinion on this, so I'm sure others will differ. I think ultimately an athlete, the difference between a fit person and an athlete is a fit person tends to, how do I say this right? This is a really challenging question. It tends to be about 
um, a level of self that you're trying to, to maintain or work towards. Whereas an athlete is working towards an athletic performance. So you might be at the gym because you want to lose weight and there's a level of self that you'd like to be at or you like being a certain level of fitness um, or you know that you just enjoy the rewards of exercise and it doesn't mean you don't want to grow within that but you know you do want to grow. Whereas an athlete, again, it kind of crosses over because they want to improve themselves as well but they are trying to prove themselves against an athletic performance. So if I'm an athlete, I will be trying to race at a 10k running race and I'm trying to get better and actually to compete against others to to do better than those people around me. And maybe that's, maybe that's one of the real definers here is that an athlete will be in a competitive environment, whereas a fit person, well, they may compete. Um, generally speaking, it's not so much about the competitive environment, it's probably more their own personal journey. Uh, I think it's good for us to have an experience of both in our lives. So I think it's really important that uh, for us to experience what it's like to be an athlete. Now, there's levels of athletes, you know, not many of us are ever going to get to the Olympics. Um, but we can still do events. And I do think there's a lot of value in competing because there's something about competing that takes us to levels that we couldn't do by ourselves. So there's real value in chasing the athletic dream. And the other thing that's really nice about being an athlete is you have this moment in your life where you specifically work on something that you really desire. So let's say I want to run a sub 32 minute 10K and I'm at 34. Well, for the next period of time, you you experience this high level of motivation, which drives you to, you know, to reflect on all areas of your life and helps you to experience, you know, the highest level in those areas. And I think that maybe the athlete probably experiences a higher level of motivation at times, although I'm not sure if that's entirely fair because I know some extremely motivated people who aren't necessarily the definition of the athlete that I've given here. So maybe the difference is that the athletes will be working towards growth in a specific area uh, in, in ways that's about improving their performance towards some kind of competitive event. Uh, more that you, someone like um, yourself, I'm not sure if you're competing with yourself or not, but you know, it seems like you're a really fit person who enjoys the benefits of getting fit and probably wants to develop yourself down that path. Uh, but that's probably the difference. Again, I do encourage people to have the athletic time in their life. And like right now, I'm not the athlete. I, I don't consider myself an athlete. Sure, I'm a, I'm a pretty fit guy. And I still exercise a lot as probably more than some athletes out there. But I'm not an athlete right now. I'm not chasing an athletic dream. So, you know, some thoughts on that. Anywho, I've mentioned in today's show just a couple of times that I'm going to be kind of talking a little bit about where I see the show going, ongoing. Um, and, and ultimately... One of the weaknesses of the show is the time frame I take to put it out. Um, I, I only do it monthly, and the reason I only do it monthly is to do quality content um, on this level, and I don't know if you think this is quality or not, hopefully you do, but um, I, I don't know if I could do it well weekly. I, I, I you know, like I've done this show for, when I do the first show, let me have a look here, I'm just going to pull up the, the old... Uh, the iTunes account here, Fitness Behaviour started in 2010, so I've been doing it for five years nearly, wow, jeepers creepers, so I've been doing it five years, and then I've done 50 shows, and some of them I'm really proud of the content, some of them I'm like, oh, I didn't, I'm not sure if that was great content, but overall I'm actually pretty proud of the work I've done on this show. Now, to be honest, I don't think I could deliver the kind of quality that I think I should deliver on this show if I did a weekly show. But at the same time, it hurts the show a little bit, but that it only comes out monthly. People tend to forget a little bit that it's coming. You don't get the exposure that you'd get if you were a weekly show and stuff like that. So my aim this year is to move this towards being a weekly show. And there'll be a bit of a change in the way the show is run. And what I want to do is I want to move towards getting more experts on the show in different areas of health and fitness and, and mental well-being, to be honest, because as you know, the show is probably more about mental well-being than anything else. Um, but uh, but the angle I'm always going to come from is this exercise behaviour. So, you know, like I was talking about, I'd love to get Kane Williamson on the show. Like, I'd love to get him on the show. And I, and I may explore getting him on the show. And uh, I don't really necessarily want to talk too much about cricket. I want to talk about, well, what's his mind process? Or I might try to get um, a top PT on. And I want to talk about how they get behaviours of people in. And so I really want to move towards this show becoming a bit more of a weekly show that... Um, that gets great thinkers on here 
talking about this subject of fitness behaviour. Now, within that, I'm still thinking that once a month I'll do a traditional show like this. So I'll sit down once a month and do a show that's very much like this. So you're still going to get this kind of core fitness behaviour experience. But then alongside that, you'll get me talking to you know experts and great thinkers around this area moving on. So that way you'll get more consistency and hopefully I can give a lot more great content to you moving forward. So... You know, that's it. I, I will look for, I am going to try to look for some patronage. Um, I'll talk about that later on. Patronage is kind of what's happening in the podcasting world right now. And that's where um, podcasters are kind of just asking for the listeners to support the show financially. Um, podcasting, unfortunately, just doesn't draw the advertising dollar. So it's um, while we're doing it, like I, I, I listen to podcasts. I'm a big fan of podcasts. I'm always listening to podcasts and I and I do donate to my favourite shows. I donate yearly to all my favourite shows. And um, yeah, and it's just something that, you know, a way to support if you enjoy the work that the people you're listening to. And there'll be levels if you want to support just a little bit, you know. The thing is, someone sent me on my, my, my other podcast, I Am Talk, We've just started doing the patronage thing, and um, and it's it's going okay. It's you know people are helping us out, which is really important. And um, someone sent us an email and said, you know what, I used to spend ten dollars a month on um, this triathlon magazine, which I kind of really didn't get any value of. And your podcast is a big part of my experience. You know, you give me all this content each month, so to drop what I would drop on a magazine on your show is to me really fair kind of transaction. So, you know. As I move towards the weekly shows, I will be kind of seeing if you guys want to support me in the patron kind of way, and I'll let you know more about that at the time. Um, but yeah, so I probably won't start it for another two or three weeks. I'm, I've got a kind of couple of busy weeks in front of me, and um, the good thing about doing interviews is I can kind of get them all done in a very short period of time and release the show weekly. So look for that to be coming out real soon but you'll be seeing some changes to the show as always if you have any questions you can email me at bevanjames at gmail.com check out my website Bevan James Isles check out my book The Fitness Attitude you can get the Kindle version on Amazon if you have read it and you enjoy it please go onto Amazon and put a review up and that would be really great and uh, yeah you guys have a wonderful month thank you for your time and I'll see you soon (laughs) 